Turn with me to Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1 and verse 1. Shortly after Sherry and I were married, um, I was cooking something or getting ready to cook something. I was putting the ingredients in a bowl. And Sherry looked at me and she said, you know that's not the order those things are supposed to go in. And I said, well, I didn't know there was an order they were supposed to go in at all. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, there's an order. And so um, <clears throat> I found I was looking at a recipe, but I had no clue as to what to do. I needed somebody with a little cooking experience to, to help me out. But uh, she graciously uh, took over the pro project for me. And uh, because I had had former experience with having bad outcomes with some of my cooking experiences. And so she cooked it up right, and, uh, and, and it was good. But, you know, all of us it, have more serious outcomes that in our life that we would like to see. We'd like to see God fulfill his purpose for our lives. And uh, the right outcomes in life are de determined much by the choices that we make in response to the Lord. And so um, we need God's help in life to fulfill the purposes that he has for us and the plans that he has for us uh, so that our life can accomplish what he desires. And uh, in this scripture, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a group of leaders uh, that were called judges. Uh, they, were, they were people that God raised up at different times uh, in, in this section of Israel's history to lead the people. Uh, they were supposed to lead the people in helping finish take the land that Joshua had begun to take in the book of Joshua uh, so that the Israelites could enter into the promised land and could enjoy the promised land that God had given them. They were also uh, an instrument of God's judgment. And so part of going in to take the land meant that they would go and they would do battle against people uh, that uh, had, had sinned greatly against God and then they would take that land. And things are different now. Uh, we have a spiritual battle that we face, right? Our enemies are not flesh and blood, but uh, they're those spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. But then God was using Israel as an instrument of judgment for the, the peoples of Canaan. And so uh, God was calling them here in these first few verses that we're going to talk about today uh, to uh, begin to follow him in trust to take the land and to do what he had called them to do. Uh, and so they were given an opportunity to respond rightly to the Lord. Joshua had set a great example of listening to God, following him in obedience, and, uh, and living uh, and following that righteous path, uh, though he wasn't perfect, but a righteous path that God laid before them. Now the question is, will God's people still follow him? And apparently they do pretty good at first, but it quickly deteriorates. Uh, and we find that uh, they, are, they enter into a time of uh, a dark period of Israel's history. But even in dark periods of Israel's history, guess what? God is there. And God still has a purpose and he still has a plan. And that's comforting to me because I think in America right now we're heading down some dark paths. And, uh, but God is still God, and God is still active uh, in our lives. And so uh, we need to uh, respond to God in faith and follow him so that we can have the right outcomes 
in our lives. So choosing the right outcomes is the title. Look with me at verse 1 of Judges chapter 1. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, Who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, Come with me to my territory and let us fight against the Canaanites, and I will also go with you to your territory. So Simeon went with him. When Judah attacked, the Lord handed the Canaanites and the Perizzites over to them, they struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. They, they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, fought against him, and struck down the Canaanites and Perizzites. When Adonai Bezek fled, they pursued him, seized him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up straps, scraps under my table. God has repaid me for what I have done. They brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it. They put the city to the sword and set it on fire. After, the, uh, the men of Judah marched down to fight against the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev and the Judean foothills. Uh, Judah also marched against the Canaanites who were living in Hebron. Hebron was formerly called Kiriath Arba. They struck down Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. Uh, from there, they marched against the residents of Debir. Debir was formerly named Kiriath Sefer. So choosing the right outcomes, how do we do that? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that we need to seek God's direction. We need to seek God's direction. The first question that comes out of their mouths in the book of Judges is, who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? Now, Great question. They go to God and they say, we want your leadership as to what we're to do to accomplish your purpose. Listen, I want to tell you something. That's a great policy for life is to go to God and to seek him for direction in your life. Where do we find that direction? We find it in God's word, right? God's word gives us direction for how to live. And as we, uh, we are under the new covenant, the, the New Testament gives us a new covenant and, and, uh, and ways that we are to live and to serve God. The Old Covenant kind of gives us some instructions and principles also that apply, uh, but we're under the New Covenant. And God gives us His direction through His Word. Uh, this is the primary way that God has given us uh, His communication. And, and the Bible says that, uh, that God's Word brings life to us. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Um, and it's wonderful to see God work in the lives of people and to see God bring freedom to people who've been captive to sin, freedom uh, from the penalty of sin. Um, and God does that uh, through his word and, of course, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, but God also gives us direction uh, not only in our personal time with him, but through our time in corporate worship, right? When we gather together, the Bible says that uh, God told Timothy through Paul, he said, preach the word, preach the word. That is, when we come together, the, the word of God is presented. Why? Because the word of God changes us. The scripture says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And so God's Word helps to transform us and kind of goes against the grain of the culture. And, and boy, do we see that today with the decisions on the national level to, um, uh, in some cases, defend what's going on at Planned Parenthood. Uh, we see, uh, we see that, that there are people that are um, celebrating the sinful lifestyles and even officials who are, who are trying to legislate uh, different things for, um, for homosexuality and so forth. And, and we see this cultural tide that's pushing one way, but God's Word helps to, to give us a course correction and to bring us back into line with what uh, God desires for our lives. Uh, it's always been that way. It was that way with your, in, in Israel. Uh, it, it's always been that way that the cultures of this world tend to lead us away from God, but God's Word directs us back. And so uh, through our, our, our time in, in preaching, through the time in our Sunday school classes and so forth, we hear God's Word and it helps bring direction to our life. Another way that we hear from God is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, any person who has uh, made a decision to turn from their sin in their own way and put their trust in Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sin and give them eternal life uh, is, is saved by God's power through the work that Jesus did on the cross. And the Bible says that once you make that decision, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. And he provides guidance for your life. Uh, and uh, the, one scripture says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And, and so one way he leads us is by giving us the peace as to a course of action that we need to take. Uh, some people speak of a prompting where God uh, maybe nudges your heart, hey, you need to talk to that person about Jesus, or, or you need to do this act of kindness for this person, or, or uh, whatever it may be. And the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us in what we're to do for God. And so we need to seek God's direction through His Word, through that corporate time together, and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, God will uh, respond and work in our lives and provide that direction as he desires for us. Um, we need directions, don't we? Have you ever tried to find a place and you just couldn't seem to find it? Uh, I love GPS because GPS kind of helps you get where you need to go, right? Um, and I remember I had gone on a trip and I was trying to find a hotel and, and I had the GPS open on my phone, and, and there's a little blinking dot, you know. It's kind of one of those idiot-proof GPSs so you can see if you've passed your turn. Four times I passed my turn. I was like, where is this? You know, I've gone by it four times. I still can't see it. But I knew the little blue dot had gone by, and so uh, praise God for GPS. But I finally saw it and turned and found where I needed to go. Uh, we need those directions in our life, don't we? Uh, some of you have probably had the benefit of having a, a wise or godly parent in your life. What a blessing that is to, to have somebody who can speak into your life and help provide some guidance for you. Maybe you've had a mentor or a good friend that, that spoke wise, wise things into your life. Um, but uh, no one speaks into our life in a more effective way than God. And through his word, he cuts through uh, sometimes the lies that we tell ourselves. Uh, he cuts through our misunderstanding, uh, and he helps us understand the way things really are in our hearts uh, and in our lives. And so important to seek 
his direction. Now, the Israelites did pretty well at this at first, and we're going to see they're, they're going to slowly drift away from that. And, and by the end of Judges, the Bible says everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. That's a dangerous place to be in a society, isn't it? Um, and so God says, I want you to seek me, to seek my, my will for your life uh, so that you can, can find what you need. And it's true in our families, to seek God's, God's will and his word for our families, uh, to seek God's word for direction in our personal life, to seek God's will for our church uh, and, and for our, our outreach and all of the things that we do, uh, it's so important. So that's the first thing in choosing the right outcomes. And as you seek God's direction, God can lead you toward the right outcome. That happened with Judah in the story, right? God says, I'll go up with you. And you'll win the battle. And so Judah goes up, and God gives him the strength to win the battle. And so when, when God is with you, who can be against you? I was reading this morning. Uh, shall tribulation or distress or famine or peril or nakedness or sword separate you from the love of God? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God is with us, and as we seek him and as we try to follow him, he goes with us. To help us win uh, the battles of life and, and to, to go in the right paths in life. To have the right outcomes in our lives. So, uh, seek God's direction. Secondly, listen to God's will. Listen to God's will. Some people do okay in seeking God's direction. But when God says something they don't like, they say, hmm, I don't think I'm going to do that. Or I don't think I'm going to go that way. Or I don't think I'm going to obey that. And, and they choose to go their own way. Isn't it easy sometimes if, you, if you're reading a passage of Scripture and you get to something that makes you uncomfortable to kind of quickly skim over that and get to the part where you feel good? Have you ever, have you ever had that experience? Uh, but sometimes God's Word will make us uncomfortable, and that's a good thing. It's not comfortable to have surgery. But surgery can mean the difference between your life or death. If you have that tumor cut out, it can save your life. Same thing is true with the scripture. When we listen to God, it may sometimes be uncomfortable for us, but if we'll listen to it with an open heart and open ears, and we'll respond in the way that God desires, we'll find that God begins to deal with those things in our lives, and he leads us down that right path toward that right, out, right outcome. But when we ignore the truth of God, and when we resist it and rebel against it, what we find that is one of two things, if, if we don't know God, uh, we, we will be under his judgment. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But uh, if you're a child of God, and you know him, uh, you will be chastened by God. And so... Um, Listening to God is important, uh, but also we need to listen to God because God cares for us. We were talking about that this morning, just how much God loves us. If God loves us and if we believe that he is omniscient, he knows everything, he's all-powerful, and that he loved us so much that he gave his son to die in our place on Calvary, how much should we trust him to do what's best for us in our lives? And so the Christian life is about listening to God and surrendering to him in trust. And it doesn't mean that everything will always go easy, 
There'll be difficulty, there'll be struggles in our lives, but what it means is as we listen to God, though there may be difficulty, God will put us on his path, and he'll also provide his joy and his peace in the midst of the difficulty, and he'll sustain us through that difficulty, and we can have the right outcome. And so, um, Paul and Silas were beaten for preaching the gospel, they were put into prison, and instead of griping, they begin to thank God, and they begin to worship God for the good things that he was doing in their lives, and God, God just came down at that prison cell, and the gates burst open, and, and they were listening to God, and God said, okay, my purpose for you is not going to be thwarted. You've listened to me. You've honored me. Even in this difficult circumstance, I'm going to bring you through this circumstance so that my will can be done. And so they, they stand there. And you know the story. The jailer is about to commit suicide because he knew that the sentences for all his prisoners was going to be carried out on him if he lived. Uh, and they were all gone. So uh, Paul and Silas say, wait, wait, don't kill yourself. Uh, we're still here. And he invites them to his house and, and cleanses their wounds and so forth and, and feeds them. And, uh, and Paul and Silas tell him about Jesus and he gives his heart to Christ. And apparently his family as well gives their heart to Christ. And so uh, they're saved and they're just rejoicing and, and having a great time. God fulfilled his purpose through their lives. Because they were listening to God and obeying God despite the circumstances of their lives. Uh, Judah, and by the way, when he speaks of Judah and Simeon here, he's speaking collectively. These were tribes of Israel. So this was a whole group of, of, uh, of people that were going out to fight these battles, Judah and Simeon. But um, Judah and Simeon both go out and they fight the battle in obedience to God, and God gives them the victory. Uh, as we obey God, he acts to help us accomplish his will and his purpose. Um, one time I, I heard a story uh, about Peter Marshall, and he's walking, he was walking home from, from work from some part of the city that he wasn't accustomed to being in. And uh, it was really dense fog that night, and, and he was walking, and he didn't really know where he was. He'd kind of gotten lost, and and he heard a voice saying, stop, Peter. Stop, Peter. And he kind of stopped for a second, you know, and you, you're kind of wondering if you ate uh, uh, some bad nachos a few hours ago, you know. What was that about? You know, so he started to walk again, you know, stop, Peter. And finally, the third time, he just stopped. And he said as he stopped, the cloud, the clouds and the fog began to clear away, and he saw that he was on the edge of a cliff, and he was about to step off a cliff. See, he was listening to, he believes it's the voice of, of the Lord that spoke to him. I don't believe God normally speaks in an audible voice, but I have heard of cases where he has. Normally, I think he speaks to our hearts. He gives us a peace in our heart. But uh, in Peter Marshall's case, God has spoken to him, and he listened, and made it, it made all the difference. It saved his life. How many of us would would uh, avoid so much heartache in our life and so much pain and going the wrong way and making the wrong choices if we listen to what God was saying to us. So important. 
Uh, when you listen to God, he can help you avoid those dangerous places in your life uh, where, that can bring you harm. Um, when you listen to God in your life, he can help you to help others. Um, I, I remember one time um, I, I had the kids with me, and it was probably a year or two after I'd moved here, and uh, I, just, I felt led, prompted to share Christ with the man. He was just standing by the, by the filling station. I'd just gotten gas, and so I drove over there, and I stopped my car. I don't know what he's thinking. He might have thought I was going to mug him. I don't know. But I, I walked up to him and said, hey, could I, could I uh, talk with you just a minute? And he said, yeah. So I told him about Christ. Well, he ended up giving his heart to Christ. And he said, you know, my uncle is a pastor. He said, I'm going to go to my uncle's church this next Sunday, and I want to get involved in church. But I thought to myself, what would have happened had I not listened to that? prompting in my spirit to share Christ with him. And you, you know that there, I've not always done that, and, and I've shared, shared with you about that. I won't get into that, but, but we need to listen to the Lord in our lives. Listen to his word. Uh, you know, we hear information from every, every different corner of this society, don't we? All these opinions, it can get confusing. I remember one time I had a a problem in my church in Texas, and I'd asked, I had about 10 pastor friends I used to meet with um, on Monday, Monday prayer time, and the Bible says in the, in the multitude of counselors there's safety, so I thought, well, I'm going to ask some counsel from these guys about this problem, see if they can help me out, and so I asked them, and out of those 10 guys, I got 10 different answers of how to handle the problem. I was more confused than ever, <laughs> and uh, I was like, what am I going to do now, and so um, but, you know, I, I went to God. It's like God was saying to me, listen, you need to seek me first for the counsel in your life. Yes, get counsel from others, but ultimately seek my counsel for your life. Another thing the Bible talks about is uh, a special level of counsel and direction in your life. The Bible says the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him. That is, those who have a relationship with God and have a have a, have a fear, not a, in, an, in an unhealthy way like being terrified or anything, but a, a healthy fear of God and a respect for God that um, desires to please Him. And the person that fears God is one who, who uh, recognizes God cannot be mocked, but also knows that God is a God of love and wants the best. And so the person who fears God is seeking to follow Him. What, did, what one scripture says is, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so the person who fears God is seeking God in this way. And what God says is that the secret counsel of God is for those who fear him. You remember the story of Abraham? Abraham, is uh, he has these mysterious three visitors come to see him. And uh, one of those ends up being the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. He's... he's uh, he is the angel, quote, 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 the angel of the Lord, that, that messenger of the Lord that is Jesus Christ. He was not an angel, but he was a messenger. That's what the word angel means. But anyway, uh, they talk and they eat together, and then finally the two men go down to Sodom, and Sodom's about to be destroyed. And uh, he says, shall we not share with Abraham what we're about to do? And so... Um, Jesus is speaking with Abraham, and he's saying, uh, this Sodom is going to be destroyed. Well, this was a great concern to, to, Lot, I mean, to Abraham because his nephew Lot 
lived in Sodom. And so Abraham begins to pray, and he, he prays, well, Lord, if there's 50 righteous people and 20 righteous people, 10 righteous people, will you spare the city? And God says, if there's 10, I'll spare the city. Well, uh, of course, as you know, the city was destroyed. But God delivered Lot and his family. But you see, Abraham feared God. So God gave him some of his secret counsel, and he said, this is what I'm about to do. And this is how you can, you can prepare for that. He gave him an opportunity to pray. Did you know God can lead you in your prayer time and what to pray for your life, for your family, for your friends? Um, the secret counsel of God is for those who fear him. As you listen to him, it will prepare you for what is yet to come. God has given us a lot of great uh, counsel about what's yet to come in his word as well. The prophecies. Did you know God is the Lord of history? He knows what did happen, and he knows what's going to happen. And he declares the end from the beginning. And so, uh, if God can prophesy hundreds of years before Christ came, exactly in specific detail how Christ would die, as he did in Isaiah 53, God knows the future. He knows it. And he declares it before it happens. And so, uh, as we listen to God's word and we know that there is coming a day of judgment. God tells us that. Why? So that we can prepare by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sin so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. He rose from the dead. And, and the Bible says through him we can have forgiveness and eternal life and we can avoid the judgment that's to come. So we listen to God, and what God does is he protects us. And he gives us his forgiveness and his grace. If you want the right outcomes eternally, you need to listen to God. Come to Jesus Christ for salvation. If you want the right outcomes in your life as you're seeking to accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish, you need to listen to God. So as they did this, God acted on their behalf. So, uh, choosing the right outcomes, how do you do it? We must, first of all, seek God's direction. Secondly, listen to God's will. And thirdly, avoid God's judgment. Avoid God's judgment. Look at verse 7. This is kind of a macabre thing. <laughs> but uh, Adonai Bezek was the leader of this city. And... Uh, they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Now, the Bible just gives us these details and doesn't comment on them. Uh, generally, what they were supposed to do in certain cities that they were going to go into, God would tell them to totally devote it to destruction so they would kill everybody in the city. Uh, and it was, a, it was a, a vehicle of God's judgment upon the city. But uh, in Adonai Bezek's case, they cut off his thumb and his big toe. And you're thinking, what, what's going on here? And then you go to the next verse. Now, I don't know if, he, if they're being disobedient here by not killing every citizen. Of the, uh, that could be the case. It could be that this is a, an instance of their disobedience. But even in their disobedience, Adonai Bezek recognizes the hand of God. Look at what he says. Seventy kings with their, with their thumbs and their big toes cut off, used to pick up scraps under my, my table. In other words, he defeated 70 kings. With each one of those kings, he cut off their thumbs and their big toes so that they could no longer hold a sword 
They could no longer be a threat to him. They could no longer walk. You remember Deion Sanders when he got turf toe and, and couldn't play football? All those millions he was getting, and, you know, people were talking about it in the sports world. But um, Adonai Bezek had done that to 70 kings. And now he says, God has seen what I did, and he has visited it back upon my, on me. And so the Bible says he, they took him to Jerusalem. He died there. I don't know if he died from his injury or exactly what took place. But, but Adonai Bezek was repaid for the evil that he did. Um, the Bible says that um, he who has the Son, or Jesus, has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And the wrath of God remains on him. Uh, judgment of God is a consistent theme in Scripture. Even in the New Testament. I know you hear people say, well, judgment is the Old Testament, and you know, in the New Testament it's grace and love. No, throughout, there's judgment. If you, all you got to do is read the book of Revelation. And that'll remove all doubt. Uh, judgment is part of God's justice. Yes, God is love, but God is also just. And so God brings about justice. And there's something about that to me that is refreshing because there's so, much thing, there's so much that happens in this world. People get away with either through not getting caught or they go to a court and, and justice is not carried out. Uh, so how does justice come in these situations? Well, justice comes through the hand of God. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in trouble. If we're to face God's justice. So God provided a way for us to escape the justice and the wrath of God upon our hearts and lives by sending his son Jesus Christ. The Bible says he is the propitiation for our sin. That's a fancy word that means he bore the wrath that we deserve. The Bible says that through his death he justified us. What that means is that he acquits us. Through his death on the cross. That is, if you're if you were to think about a human court, you could be guilty as charged, or you could be not guilty, right? Well, through what Jesus did on the cross, people when people trust him, they're declared not guilty by God. You see, God carries out the penalty that they deserve upon Christ in their place. And Christ's perfect life of righteousness is credited to them. So that they can have forgiveness, eternal life, and a relationship with God. That, by the way, is the only way to avoid God's judgment. Because all of us are sinners. But uh, there are different levels of judgment. So, uh, if you don't know Christ, what you do that's sinful, God will one day hold you accountable for and bring judgment upon you uh, either, and I believe it, at least it will be in the life to come uh, in a place called hell, but it will also sometimes be in this life as well. And so um, God doesn't want that to happen to anybody. The Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. And so um, God sent Jesus so that nobody would have to go there. Uh, and so in order to go to hell, you have to trample over God's gift of salvation in Jesus Christ to get there. And so uh, he's provided a way to escape 
God's judgment through Jesus. So you make a decision to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Christ, and, and you choose to receive the gift of God's grace. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You receive that gift of salvation, and God saves your soul, and he wipes away your sin, and you never have to worry about the judgment or the wrath of God. Well, you say, most of us here, you say, maybe, I I know Christ. I've already made that decision. How does this apply to me? I'm glad you asked. Well, the Bible says that we are not under God's wrath as believers. We're not under his judgment, but God does chasten us. And that is, the motive is not justice in that case. The motive is God's love in directing us back to the right path so we can have the right outcome, right? And so, uh, God loves us, so he disciplines us. And, and you, all you have to do is look at the lives of, of some of the people in the Scripture who, who were believers in God, believers in Christ, that had put their trust in him, followed him, so forth, and, and, and before Christ came, would be a believer in God. But um, you see that when they sin, they're chastened. Jacob is a great example. What did he do? He took advantage of his brother but when he came in and he was hungry. He'd been out hunting for several days and he was starving to death. He said, give me some of that stew that you're making, Jacob. He says, well, I'll give it to you on one condition that you give me your birthright. So Esau says, well, what's a birthright to me? I'm, I'm going to die if I don't eat. And so he, he sells his birthright to Jacob. Well, then Jacob, a little while later, decides he wants to steal his blessing. So he dresses up. Esau was hairy. I love, I love this story. He, he got goat's hair. And, you know, in Palestine, they had that long black hair on the goats. So his mom helped him out. You know, they were scheming in the background, you know. And she puts these goat skins all over him. And he's all hairy like his brother Esau. And he goes in and deceives Isaac, who had really, he had really bad eyesight due to his, his, his age. And, and Isaac says, it's the voice of Jacob. But it's the smell and the feel of Esau. And so he gives him the blessing. And Jacob lies to him and, and deceives him and, and takes the blessing from Esau. And Esau says, I'm going to kill that guy. And, and so Jacob flees to uh, live with his uncle Laban. And guess what Laban does to Jacob? He takes advantage of him. And he deceives him. And Jacob says to him as he's leaving, he says, you changed my wages ten times. I was out in the frost, and I was, I was going through all this stuff, and you did this to me. And, and, and you, you can't help but notice the exact thing that Jacob did to Esau is what's happening to Jacob. And God is chastening him in his life so that God can bring him back into the right place where he can put his trust in God and fulfill God's purpose for his life. And you know the rest of the story, how, how when he comes and, and he's on his way back to his homeland, he wrestles with the angel of the Lord, and he says, I'm going to change your name to Israel. And now no longer are you Jacob the deceiver, you're Israel, the one who wrestles with God and overcomes. And so uh, God brought about, uh, through that chastening in his life, uh, a, a redirection of his life, Back to God's purpose for the right outcome. So, uh, choosing the right outcomes involves avoiding 
God's judgment, or if you're already a believer, avoiding his chastening. And, uh, and so uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, somebody said uh, in a book I was reading about this, a lot of people complain and criticize the conquest of Israel when they went in and took the land. He said, but Adonai Bezek understands it. He sees it as the just repayment for what he has done. Uh, and, and so uh, whether people acknowledge it or not, God is a just God. And uh, he will bring justice unless a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And then that justice was carried out upon Christ in their place. And God can be both just and justifier, the person who acquits of sin uh, through Christ. So uh, choosing the right outcomes, you must seek God's direction, listen to God's will, and avoid God's judgment. As you do this in your life, you will have some good outcomes in your life. Now, none of us are perfect in this. Uh, all of us fail. All of us sin from time to time. There are times that all of us don't listen to God. But can I tell you, pursue with your heart. Seek God. Seek his direction for your life. Listen to him. Avoid the chastening hand of God in your life so that you can reach his full, the full potential that he has for your life. And you can see those right outcomes. I believe that there are blessings for the person who follows God wholeheartedly. Um, the Bible speaks in Psalms of the blessings of the man that fears the Lord. Blessings in his family. Blessings in his finances. Uh, blessing, it goes to every part and area of his life. And it's not that Christians don't suffer or that Christians never have financial problems and those kinds of things, but it means that, that God puts his hand of blessing upon your life. Now, you say, well, what about those Christians in places where they're persecuted for their faith? Where the government steals their money and puts them in prison. They can't enjoy their family. They've got no money. What about them? Well, Hebrews tells us the answer to that. Hebrews says, he speaks about all the great things God did for those who trusted him. But when he gets to the latter part of, of Hebrews, he talks about those who suffered for the sake of Christ. And he says, they trusted God so they could receive a greater reward. Which would you rather have, the rewards of this world, which is this fast and sober, or the rewards of eternity that last forever? The Bible says God will reward us, and we will have the ability to cast those crowns at Jesus' feet. Listen to God. Seek Him for direction in your life, and avoid that chastening through following His will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us respond to it in a way that pleases you and brings honor to your name. And uh, thank you for the grace that we have in Jesus that you sent to take the price for our sin and to pay for it in full. And, and Father, I pray that if there's someone that doesn't know Christ, that tonight they'd make that decision to turn from their own sin, from their own way, uh, to follow Christ, and, and that they would receive his gift of forgiveness that he purchased on the cross for them tonight. And uh, Father, uh, if there's somebody here today as a Christian that needs to make a decision, maybe to repent of some sin, uh, to, to turn from sin.